This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it, a stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson. He's going to uncork for the end zone, and he drops it in beautifully, and it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, the field on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get to rescheduled soon. And to Matt Vernon and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. The Debbie Summit, Matthew, uh, May 22nd, starting at 12 Eastern time. This is the brainchild child of Brandon Lejeune. Myself, Matt Hicks of the Rookie Big Board will be co-hosting. It's just a mid-spring hangout where we're talking about the fastest-growing form of fantasy football. These pe- people want more football. They're looking for more football. I mean, if you're on Twitter talking about football – in the middle of the spring, then you want to be a part of this hangout. We are going to be raising money for Ukrainian refugee relief efforts. Um, we have a star-studded lineup, Matthew. You'll be there. I'll be there. Matt Waldman, Travis May, John Lobb, Kane and Shane, our friends from the Debbie Marketplace, Angelo from Angelo Analysis, Jason D. Rienzo from Debbie Watch, Ryan McDowell, Ray Garb, and Katie Flower. I mean, it is a who's who of um, the big voices in the Devi space that's going to be taking place this Sunday, May 22nd, uh, starting at 12 Eastern. So don't act like you want to watch hockey or baseball or, you know, the basketball playoffs. You want to be talking about football. So join us there. No Austin, no uh, Chris Moxley today. It's just me and Matthew. We're tweeting at Alfred JF on Twitter. Any Conan O'Brien, Jeff, for those of you who get the show, Alfred, our co-founder at uh, uh, Camp to Can, does not consume any of our content, none of it at all. And so we periodically hide 
little Easter eggs. Is that yeah. a good a little Easter, Easter eggs egg. in shows that he doesn't know where they came from. Um, and so we're tweeting any Conan O'Brien GIF at Alfred. I've already tweeted one, so you can just go to uh, check me out at Sharp Review on Twitter to see what I tweeted at him. Just me and Matthew today, and it would seem natural to kind of start with Matthew, the greatest hits <laughs> between you and I. When we started this show, I mean, Austin is the star now because he's so analytical, so even keeled, doesn't get too riled up you and i do so hopefully we'll be peaceful today because we've gotten comments in the reviews saying that we yell too much and that's i mean that's not it's not austin it's not chris it's it's you and i yes so um we will try to keep it peaceful today but at the same time we need to revisit some of the topics or themes that have developed in this show over the year plus of its existence that have been the hot topics of conversation. And I think it's natural, since you tweeted about him today, to start with Kyle McCord, the five-star quarterback from Pennsylvania, there at Ohio State, and what his future holds. He loses the, he loses the job to C.J. Stroud. He decides not to transfer. Um, and I'm not meaning to laugh. It's just, I mean, we, we saw this coming before he ever enrolled at Ohio State. I said he will never play a game at Ohio State. Now, he has since played a game. But you've got Devin Brown there. I think that um, as a group, we have Devin Brown ranked ahead of Kyle McCord. Brown has a little bit more dual threat to him. He's not a dual threat per se, but he has a little bit more dual threat to him. He has one of the strongest arms in the class. He has some of that playmaking ability that McCord really doesn't have as a true drop back passer. Not only do you have Devin Brown in this class, but you've got Dylan Rayola coming in 2024, who is a very highly touted quarterback in his own right. Is it possible for me to turn the floor over to you and for you to give us a realistic or likely expectation of Kyle McCord's future. I mean, you have to acknowledge that it is not all sunshine and rainbows if he's going to stay there. At the at best, at best, he would be a third-year potential starter in 2023. What are your thoughts about McCord? I mean, I'm still in on him as a player. And I was just pulling up our rankings, and it may be me, but Kyle McCord is ranked in Devi and C2C ahead of Devin Brown currently in our C2C that's and Devi ranks. Not, um, again, absurd. maybe yours truly boosting up Kyle McCord quite a bit. I, I can't disagree with with anything you with with anything you've said. I still think he's a very talented quarterback, and that's always been my kind of my contention on him is as I do believe he has the talent. I, I've openly stated that I did have Devin Brown uh, rated higher than Kyle McCord coming out of high school. So the real question is going to be what happens next year. Can Kyle McCord beat out Devin Brown? Because I do think if he doesn't, I don't know what the future looks like for him he's not staying he's not going to stay in backup Devin Brown so he's going to transfer at that point well he's transferring at the end of spring 
realistically, is he going to be going to a decent team that he can put up any kind of stats? And at that point, I think he's going to be two more years in college. I don't think that he's going to play one year and come out where best case scenario for him right now is he plays next year. He starts at Ohio State. He puts up really great numbers a la a Dwayne Haskins did in one season. The first year, Ryan uh, Day was the the offensive play caller for, for the Buckeyes. And he gets that draft capital because we, I think we can all be honest with the fact he's got decent enough arm talent. Ohio State on the side of his helmet. If he goes out there and has a really good season, he'll get, I don't know if he'll go the first round, but he'll get draft buzz. He, he will get pushed up the draft board, especially if he has a good season. But if he doesn't, I don't know. And I did, we, you know, we haven't talked about it. We've got a Debbie guide coming out here in just a couple weeks. I wrote up Kyle McCord's profile, and that's exactly what I put in there. I, I think he's a very high-risk, high-reward pick right now in Debbie drafts. Like, you take him, I still believe, and I know Austin thinks this too, Austin still likes him as a prospect. I know he likes Devin Brown more than him, just like I do, but I still think he has a chance to be an NFL quarterback. But there's a lot riding against him now at this point that necessarily wasn't there even a year ago because he still had the option to transfer out, and he didn't do that. So still think, and I get his perspective, wants to stay, wants to work with with Ryan Day, who's considered one of the best quarterback guys in college football. Again, it's going to be a great offense. Even with JSN moving on next year, we know that wide receiver room is going to be loaded. Great running back room. It's going to be a great offense altogether. So he just wants to win that job, and if he doesn't, I still think that he has got very good upside, but next year is going to be kind of like the end all for him. If he doesn't win that, I I mean, it's obviously a year away, so a lot can change. I don't know where he could transfer to that's really going to change things and help him at that point. And and I don't think it's – we I, I tweet, you mentioned I tweeted that out. There was a lot of people in there who were talking about, oh, well, why are we just riding off Kyle McCord? Look, I get we fall in love with the new name all the time. Devin, Devin Brown is, is the sexy new name as a freshman, right? But he's good. We're not just saying that. Like, Devin Brown is very good. And, and I do think it's it would right now, if you were to ask me, it'd be a 50-50 split on who I think wins that job. You you can't watch Devin Brown's tape without seeing some, like, wow, yeah. like, eyebrow-raising throws. He made one in the spring game that was not caught, but a – Seam route against cover three in a tight window with three players around him. The safety spinning, coming over the corner, uh, sinking to the middle seam. I mean, he made a. And you watch his high school tape. He, he has some throws, <laughs> some bullets out there that are like this dude has a cannon. But he also shows the accuracy at times. Devin Brown is a very good player, only a four star prospect, which I can't believe that he's. If I remember correctly, Brown is only a four-star prospect. We need you guys to tweet at Alfred JF any Conan O'Brien gifts because he's already responded. He's not. He still hasn't caught on to the joke. Matthew, like what? Let's say hypothetically that Kyle McCord does not win the. Let's say hypothetically that CJ Stroud leaves for the 2023 NFL draft and he is in a battle with Evan Brown next year and loses that battle. Is there something that we should take away as far as, I don't know, some, as far as these recruits going to places with crowded backfields or, you know, kind of considering the timing of landing at your school? Is there some sort of takeaway? that we should gain from Kyle McCoy's journey. I I really don't know what you can take away from it because we don't, 
see this as often you know we did a whole show about this i think last summer maybe when quinn reclassified and came here i think you me chris and austin we just sat here for like an hour and just talked about like what it meant i was very critical of them doing that and allowing quinn Ewers to show up there then quinn leaves and ryan day has been very open and honest about that since then is like that whole thing kind of fell in place that he wasn't expecting They've, they've kind of separated a class now, right? They didn't go after a 2023 guy. They're waiting until 2024 to get Dylan Rayola. And I feel like a lot of schools do that. Maybe Alabama doesn't, but Alabama is like clearly, you know, sh- a, a shark eat shark kind of world in Alabama. Like the best of the best are going to play. And if you're not that good, you can leave. Saban doesn't care. I don't feel like a lot of other schools have the cachet to do that. So I do if, – if you're looking at freshmen and watching guys do that, you, you've got to be careful about who you took. I mean, Kyle McCord, I think for almost all of us, that, that was really our first year kind of venturing into doing this stuff, right? He was top three for everybody that I know of. I know most of us had Caleb Williams. Some of us had Sam Heward over him. I was one of them. I still had Heward over McCord. But he was a top three quarterback, I'm almost positive, for all of us in that class. And he went to Ohio State. And let's also be honest – not all of us saw this coming from C.J. Stroud. He was a late riser in the process, and I think a lot of that's because he didn't whoa, play Whoa, 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 time out, time out. I always said that the math didn't work for C.J. Stroud or for Kyle McCord because C.J. Stroud was in the system for a year, and Kyle yeah. McCord would be competing against someone who knew the system, knew where the locker rooms were, knew the playbook, you know, knew how to get to class. It is so hard to walk on the campus and start as the true freshman. Like Kyle McCord was doomed from the start because of the timing of when he ended, when he committed to Ohio State, he was doomed from the start. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I don't, CJ Stroud was a late riser in the whole recruiting process, right? Like he was, I think a three-star, really jumped up because of the Elite 11 thing. I'll just say for myself, because you and Austin did say that you were very much on that he's been there for a year. I was not expecting him to be as good as he was, though, last year. He did not show that in high school. Now, maybe that is because he kind of came into playing quarterback late. But again, I think we can all admit, or at least all of it, I was very critical of C.J. Stroud early on, and he clearly got better throughout the year. He was a much better player at the end of that year, and that's why I think he, he definitely deserves to be a Heisman favorite and one of the top QBs coming off the board in 2023. I just don't think we're going to see this part that often. And maybe Georgia's kind of doing that right now, but I I feel like these top guys, they'll find a way to go either to a school that is going to help them or it's going to be separated out enough because I just don't know that these guys, there's going to be, I guess I'll put, I don't think we're going to see what we saw at Ohio State again or often. I feel like it's going to be, very rare that we see three or four, four to high end four stars and five star guys going to one school and, and competing and battling it out. Cause I think these guys want to play, especially now with all the NIL stuff going on. Something to pay attention to when you're considering C2C rankings is just the timing of a commitment looking in, uh, in the future, because Kyle McCord's timing just wasn't, just wasn't great, but we're cheering for him. Um, if you are new to the show or new to Campus to Canton, you can go check out our interview with Kyle McCord, which is around last year at this time, some, you know, somewhere around there. So um, go ahead and check that out. We derived a ton of content, Matthew, speaking of quarterbacks, a ton of content um, through the Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields debate which was largely tongue-in-cheek, at least at first. But I ended up being right. 
on that debate, at least as far as draft capital goes. I mean, how many teams, how many teams, I mean, can you count them, Matthew? How many teams passed on Justin Fields just over and over and over and over again, telling you that, you know, he was not the guy. While meanwhile, my dark horse, Zach F. Wilson, the number two pick in the draft. And it is still a relevant discussion because <laughs> Elise Fields is still commanding high draft capital. If you're in a C2C league or a dynasty startup, Justin Fields is still commanding top 12-ish draft capital uh, at the quarterback position. But I want to ask you now, with their first year behind them, Matthew, and I already know what your answer is going to be, but I'm just going to give you some some information to consider, even though I know that you're going to take Justin Fields. I'm looking at this objectively, by the way. I'm not choosing sides based on uh, previous biases. Zach Wilson has the same offensive coordinator and same head coach. He has consistency there. They've upgraded the weapons with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore going into his second year was injured, but was explosive at times last year. Garrett Wilson, one of the more explosive wide receivers, one of probably one of the easiest receivers to throw to, considering how much separation he gets. They add Brees Hall. It's cool to make fun of Zach Wilson and to say, oh, Zach Wilson was bad last year. He was actually good at the end of the at the end of the season after, if you recall, they they brought in um uh John Beck, his quarterback coach, his personal quarterback coach there at uh, 3DQB in California, who's been coaching Zach Wilson since his time at BYU. But we don't talk enough about how bad Justin Fields was last year. He had two games after becoming the starter where he had less than 100 yards passing. He was bad at times, and some of the flaws that we saw in his game at Ohio State remain in Chicago. Justin Fields does not get the most out of his out of his athleticism. He is neither an aggressive passer or an aggressive runner. I said this with him coming out of the out of high school. He is a perfectionist as far as not turning the ball over. So what we see is sometimes slow processing. To me, that's him. It's he might process it quickly, but he doesn't want to turn the ball over and therefore doesn't pull the trigger automatically. But you're talking about this player who, oh, he's 230 pounds, and he ran a, a 448 uh, at his pro day. Well, how often did you see that playmaking from Justin Fields last year in his time as the starter? You may have you may have seen it seen it once or twice, but we're still talking about potential with him. They have a new coach, a front office that has shown that it is not going to invest in him. If you just look at what they did in the NFL draft and what they've done through free agency this year, Equinemius St. Brown, Velus Jones, Byron Pringle, none of these signings are particularly inspiring. And you compare Chicago and Justin Fields to how the Buffalo Bills decided to develop Josh Allen. People forget. People forget before they got Stephon Diggs, the Buffalo Bills were trying to trade for Antonio Brown, and he said, I'm not going there. 
So they settled for trading for Antonio Brown. They were being intentional. They signed Cole Beasley. They signed uh, Emmanuel uh, Sanders, a veteran presence who can get open. Compare that to what the Bears did. ESB, Jones, Pringle. If you are looking this at objectively, Matthew, you can't, you have to tell me that you're picking Zach Wilson moving forward because he has the better situation around him. And quite frankly, he's more talented. That's, that's why the NFL took him second. And the NFL just passed Justin Fields over and over again. So go ahead. I know you got his jersey right over your left shoulder. I do. I do. But, yeah. but just admit, admit that you would take Zach Wilson now. So did did Wilson, or in your opinion, did Wilson have a better team around him last year with, with everything going no. on? No, you don't think so? No, they've had in- injuries in that. No. I mean, so did the, so did the Bears. They had they had injuries all over the field. I mean, Fields didn't even play no. in games because he was injured. Mooney, Allen Robinson, too. Mooney, Allen Robinson, Mooney David Montgomery. Over, you're going to put Mooney over Elijah Moore. <laughs> Elijah Moore was no. a rookie. And Darnell Mooney was what his second year oh, or a rookie. On, answer the question. Stop answering. Ask it's me just questions. what that's it's what you like to do when you don't it's have an Justin argument. Fields. You like to start I, ask, oh, no, asking no. me questions. I have an argument. So. My argument is if you go, we're looking at this from a fantasy perspective, right? If you go in and look last year, they finished right next to each other. Zach Wilson did finish ahead of Justin Fields as QB 31. Justin finished, I'm sorry, QB 30. Justin Fields finishes QB 31. Zach Wilson averaged 12.53 points a game. Justin Fields 11.40. Fields missed five games. Zach Wilson missed four. You talked about how great Zach Wilson was at the end of the season after getting his uh, QB coach uh, from wherever, where he finished with 170, 102, 304, and 87 passing yards. That sounds like an absolute baller, by the way. When Justin Fields missed all those rest of the games toward the end of the year because of an injury, but the two games that he did play, 224 and 285 passing yards. Yes, At the beginning of the year when he first started, he had two really bad games, 60 yards passing and 68 against Cleveland of all teams. Justin Fields, right now, you're right, does not have the better team around him. For whatever reason, they say he wanted Vellis Jones on that team. I don't know if that's true or not. Whatever. The difference with that is we saw, in my opinion, better flashes out of Fields last year than we did Wilson. Does he have the better team for success right now? Absolutely but we're playing dynasty fantasy football league or in a C2C league. Again, same thing. You're not looking at this for just this season. No, you can't tell me that if the bears are horrible next year, which is very possible with how bad their team is that they don't add a JSN or a Kayshawn Boutte to that wide receiver core. And then all of a sudden Justin Fields has got his guy. David Montgomery is not a bad running back. Cole Komet is not a bad tight end. The Bears will build around him, and he's just got a better skill set. I'm sorry, he does. Zach Wilson is, I think, a good quarterback, but we saw the flaws last year, and I still think they're there. I don't think that's changed, although I did see that he bulked up. Good for him. He's looking good, and I'll be honest, I'm rooting for him because everybody loves to shit on him because of what his mom, and I guess she's fairly attractive and she's always on Twitter and saying things and people make fun of him because he's just like this kind of like very shy, quiet white boy. I don't care. Like I am rooting for Zach Wilson, but at the end of the day, I think Justin Fields is the better player. And so that's what I'm going to take. I'm going to take him over Zach Wilson because the situation could change 
you never know. They could go get a wide receiver from a trade if the Bears are doing good. They could get somebody next year. Like you, you can't base a whole decision on just this one season. You've got to project forward. And in my opinion, Justin Field has the better tools to project forward. I got to ask you some either or Um, Justin Fields or Matthew Stafford. I feel like the last time we looked this up, Justin Fields was going as a QB 13. So if you're in a startup right now, that sounds about right. Justin Fields or Matthew Stafford. Uh, It's going to be Stafford for me because I play in three year windows. I don't think Stafford's going anywhere for the next three years. So Stafford. Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Fields. I've I, I've been very open about I have Fields over Lawrence, and his situation's even worse if you if you want to compare situations. Yeah, Justin, that's true. Uh, Justin, I think it's more. He, at least I thought he was more talented coming out though. Justin Fields or Derek Carr? Derek Carr's got Hunter Renfro now. He's got he's got uh, the tight end whose name is uh, Waller, and he's got Devontae Adams now. I'm taking Carr, and it's because you'll understand more why we get to the quarterback court conversation. Uh, Carr has been a lot better than people give him credit for. We get more into the quarterback I conversation. I noticed something over the past couple of years, so I'd go Carr. Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts? Fields. I, I'm just, I like Hurts. I, I don't know that he's going to be the guy there next year. I think they traded for A.J. Brown and said he's got to go out there and prove it as a passer this year. And if he doesn't, I think there's a shot with all that draft capital they take a quarterback next year. So I think Fields, in my opinion, has longer staying power. Uh, Last one, Justin Fields or Mac Jones? Justin Fields. I love Mac Jones, but I've always said he's a QB2 at best. Well, I mean, the reason I asked that question is because you're talking about three-year windows, you know, a ducky, what have you. There's a chance that Justin Fields is replaced in the next two years. There is. There there is. He's got – There is. Two years. I'm not saying there isn't. I, he's busting. He's not busting yet. He's got two more years to prove it. And if he doesn't, I'm with you. He's gone. But at this point, I'm fine taking that bet on a guy like him because again, Mac Jones, as much as I love him, like I, I think I do agree with Mike for the most part. His his ceiling is QB 15 for Mac Jones. So I'm I'm still taking Justin Fields because if he does hit and hits a <laughs> ceiling, he's a top 10 guy. Well, we know what Justin Fields' floor is. He said he was QB 31, right? 31. Well, Zach Wilson was 30. So, like, it's not (laughs) a – there's only room to grow for both of those guys right now. You mentioned the quarterback of the – projecting quarterbacks in the future moving forward. I mean, why don't you take the lead on that conversation because it's something that you wanted to talk about. But I think it's interesting considering – and I don't know if you want to talk about the 2022 NFL draft and what we learned from that and how we should take the lessons from what the NFL did there to project, you know, for our rankings, uh, our our college rankings. But, you know, take the the lead and walk us through this conversation. The more and more I've looked at the way quarterbacks have gone – the past couple years, I feel like the NFL is shifting their narrative on drafting quarterbacks. I think that they are only going to go for these elite guys. I think the reason Kenny Pickett went in the first round because he, everybody said he was the most pro ready. And as much as I hate the Steelers as a Browns fan, they are always competing. Mike Tomlin has never finished below 500. They've got a great defense tools all around him. They take Kenny Pickett because they know that they can compete with him. He's a decent game manager. From a fantasy perspective, Austin has said this many times on here. 
he felt that the NFL was going more toward these rushing quarterbacks. And the more you look at it, I think that that's us as fantasy people propagating that. Like, I don't actually think that's true. And if you actually look at it from a fantasy lens, can you guess? And I just went back four years because I was busy and you know all the shit we're working on right now in the behind the scenes. So I just went back and looked the, the past four years. Can you tell me on average how many guys rush for more than 300 yards at the quarterback position? Average a year. A year, maybe four? Yeah, they're finished in the top 12. Okay, you were close. It's been five. And mm. a lot of those guys is like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert who have done it multiple years and they rush for like 308. Like we keep talking about how these that we all the NFL wants is these rushing quarterbacks and that's what wins in fantasy. But nobody's actually really doing that. Jalen Hurts last year did it with 782 and Josh Allen 763. You go the year prior, that was Lamar Jackson's 1,000 rushing yard year. And Kyler Murray had 700, like, or sorry, 800. A lot of these guys, it's it's Lamar, Russell Wilson's been up there two years. Deshaun Watson obviously has been a big one. He's been right around 400. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert have both been averaging right around 300 rushing yards a year for fantasy. And then you go look at the other guys who are finishing top 12. And it's all pocket passers. Brady, Derek Carr, multiple years, and that's what I mentioned earlier. Like, I did not realize he's really been that good. For a guy we continually shit on, he has been really good. Matt Stafford, you cannot tell me he's a rushing quarterback. Aaron Rodgers buys time in the pocket. He's not a rushing quarterback. Joe Burrow, not a rushing quarterback. All those guys have finished in the top top 12. Then go back a couple years because, obviously, Burrow hasn't been in the league. It's been Matt Ryan. Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. All of those guys have been finishing in the top 10. We've seen more pocket passers finishing in the top 12 for fantasy. You have said it before. I honestly think the NFL wants your quarterback to win from the pocket. And that is what worries me moving forward. We see a lot more that these guys coming into college are more athletes, right? They're not necessarily quarterbacks. They're trying to sidearm it like Patrick Mahomes, and they do all this stuff with their legs. I think we really need to start focusing more and more on the guys who can actually pass from the pocket and do everything that they can do, a la C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young this year. And that's why I, I could – if you were to ask me today to put a sizable bet down on 2.5 quarterbacks in the first round this year, I think I would take the under. I don't know that three go in the first round in 2022 because I love Richardson as an athlete, but I think you have to project so much forward with his passing for him to get that first round capital. I don't, he's not Lamar Jackson. And we saw a team reach up and take Lamar because he is special. And I think Richardson's close, but he's not that. I think that I think Anthony Richardson is special and it only takes one. He's not the player that I would like fade from the first round. It's not Richardson. It's it's actually like Van Dyke. Because is is Tyler Van Dyke a better or worse quarterback prospect than Sam Howell? To me, they're very, very similar yeah. as far as play style. I mean, aggressive downfield throwers of the football. And I have no idea why Sam Howell, after, after the career he just had at UNC, elevating that entire program during his time there from his true freshman season until he finished last year and not in being selected in the fifth round. I, that is a, that is, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Well, um, and I'm going to take a massive L here and I, I already know it, but I think it goes back to the conversation we had a while back. My argument for keeping – I don't have oh, – I still have this jersey. My argument for keeping this man right here on the Cleveland Browns 
over Aaron Rodgers was what? The contract. It was never about the skill talent. Aaron Rodgers is a 10 times better player than Baker Mayfield. But what did I argue against you and, and you in Austin about? I didn't want to bring in Rodgers because of that contract. I do think that's going to continue to play a big part into why these quarterbacks continue to fall into the second round. Because now you just mentioned it, Justin Fields, we're only giving him two more years. That's not even his fifth-year rookie option. Why? Because the Bears may not want to pay $18 million if they don't think he's the guy. So you take these quarterbacks in the second round. They're cheaper on your contract. You get to make the decision sooner. Likely don't have to pay him as much if they're not even doing that well. And if they're not, you just move on. You don't have to worry about these fifth-year options. So maybe Anthony Richardson is special. I agree with you. He's the best athlete in college right now. So maybe he does get that first-round draft capital. But I don't think that it's – I don't think we're going to see another big class till maybe 2024. And then you're betting on Caleb Williams continuing to improve. Quinn Ewers has got to go out there and ball for two years. Like, there's so much projection moving forward. I don't think we're going to see – Another class like we did 2021 for a while right now. And I think that's because the, the NFL is reevaluating their their views on the quarterbacks. We are being so rational and not hot takey <laughs> on this this episode of the Debbie debate. But I think that we need a second year of information to see how the NFL evaluates these quarterback talents, because it used to be that they put a premium on that position i mean 10 years ago matt corral would have gone in the first round 10 years ago sam sam howe would have gone in the first round but maybe the evolution is this is is similar to what happened with the running back position where not only did you have to be like you had to be like an elite 90th percentile athlete with corresponding production um to go in the first round now before i mean you know any any running back coming out of Wisconsin could get high draft capital uh, in the NFL. It's just not the same way anymore. And so my question is, and I don't know the answer to it, is 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 it going to become not getting drafted in the first round for a quarterback is not a death sentence? The same way where we've essentially eliminated the first round from um, – the thought process when it comes to running backs. Yeah. Like if you get day two, like the second round is actually the first round for running backs. Will we see something similar with the quarterback position? Well, yeah, you might've fallen out of the first round because the NFL didn't want to take a risk on you. But if if you go on day two or day three, do you still have a chance to compete for the starting job? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I mean, something that I am keeping tabs on. Yeah, it's something we're not going to know for sure for the next couple of years. But I, I think, again, we've seen it, right? All the 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 people in the know, supposedly, have been saying, we're going to see six quarterbacks go this year. I just, I don't that's, see that. That's and, nonsense. And, and to answer Jared's question, I think they fell because none of those guys were elite at anything. And these teams did not want to take a shot. As much as I like Desmond Ritter, and I think he is a great, he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, he's not going to... He's not going to elevate you like a Justin Fields, a Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson can if they hit their ceilings. But I think he's a serviceable guy that you can put in there. He's not necessarily going to lose you games, but he's not going to win you anything. The NFL, I don't think, wants to pay for those guys anymore. Otherwise, as Felix mentioned, we would have seen them go because we've seen that happen. We've seen EJ Manuels of the world boosted up in the first round when they didn't need to go there because of the premium on the position, where now I think they're factoring in that and the money and letting those guys fall. 
We're agreeing, man. High five, man. High five. Yeah. High five. This is not the episode everybody thought they were getting when they tuned in at this. They were expecting a lot of yelling. We've only yelled like once. Yeah. We've only yelled like once. The, the Debbie Summit, May 22nd, this Sunday. This podcast is going to come out tonight on the Wednesday night. You'll probably you'll probably be listening to it Thursday morning. Make sure you, you can go ahead and set your notification now at the YouTube channel for Campus to Canton. Um, Debbie Deep Dive or the Rookie Big Board. It will be broadcast on all three channels. And so go ahead and subscribe to all three channels and hit the notification bell. 12 Eastern. It's going to be it's going to be a really fun time. Matthew, is the 2023 running back class overrated? I'm really starting to think that it is. And 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 it's not because of Bijan and Gibbs, because we know that they're special, right? E- even I do have some concerns about Gibbs's size, but I just, I really don't see a world where he falls out of the second round. And I do think that he can be special. Like I know it's hard for me to see it because we talked about it recently with, I think it was me, Austin and Moxley talking about this and like CJ 2K, Jamal Charles are really, LaShawn McCoy. Like you go through the litany of RBs in the NFL and you're naming a handful, Austin Eckler that are like below 200 that have succeeded in the NFL. And I do think Gibbs can be one of them. But we're also projecting a lot with Zach Evans, who we expect to get decent draft cover. He's got to have Y'all a good year at projecting a lot with Zach Evans. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, well, I'm saying like he's got to he's got to have a good year, right? He's got to have a good year at Ole Miss to get the good draft capital. Tank Bixby's got to bounce back in a massive way. I like Sean Tucker. There's a lot against him getting high end draft capital. I'm sure he's going to test well. Being at Syracuse, he's going to have to go out there and have another massive season. You got Kendall Milton, who's the guy that I really like. I don't know that he gets up there because Georgia doesn't really hand the ball to one guy. I don't know that he can get that big workload to work himself into that. You got Deuce Vaughn, who's just a scat back. Like Blake Corum, if he comes out this year, same thing. He's not a workhorse guy. We've been building this class up as like there's easily five running backs that you would take in the first round of your fantasy draft. I don't think that that's it. Like I think you're really banking this on Bijan and Jameer. And then there's a lot of question marks where we were saying trade out, get your 2023 first because that's the class you want if you want to get your running backs and wide receivers. And then it's become well, you got JSN and does Butte bounce back? And then what happens with Evans? What happens with Mil- like? There's a lot more questions, and maybe all those will be answered. I'm going to look like a complete idiot at this point in time next year if the draft goes and we see like four guys going on day two. But right now, heading into this year, I think there's a lot more questions on those guys than answers, which I thought, at least in my opinion, based on how we've talked about the 2023 class in the past, it's almost been like, oh, we're sold that these guys are going to be good. And I think there's a lot more questions than there was before. I still think that there are three bell cows, Bijan, Jameer, and um, Tank Bigsby. I think that Tank Bigsby is a give him the ball 25 times a game if you want to run that way. Nobody does anymore, but I think that he is a bell cow. I think that Sean Tucker is a plus satellite back, which is, I mean, a mid-RB2. I still have questions about Zach. I've never seen a run from Zach Evans where I'm like, dang, that is the – that's – you know, NFL traits right there. I mean, you guys have been, that's why I interrupted you. I said, y'all are high on Zach Evans. Um, the, the question is Kendall Milton. And we will, I do want to talk about Kendall Milton because I had a conversation with Chris Milton, Kendall Milton's father today on Twitter. Um, but he has NFL size. I'm not sure that he has NFL athleticism, speed or burst 
or tackle breaking ability. And then Deuce Vaughn, I think, is a could also be a plus satellite back. And in comparison to the 2022 class, I mean, I think all three of those guys, Bigsby, Bigsby, Bijan, and Gibbs would all be the RB1 in this class. I think Tucker would be right up there. I would take Hall over Bigsby. I would not take him over the top two, but I would put Hall over Bigsby. But that's it. Like, there's I, see, nobody I think else I would rather have Bigsby. I, I think that I would rather have Bigsby. Yeah, he, he's just shown more in his tool set from speed to explosion to, you know, trucking. Um, I think I would still rather have Bigsby. I wouldn't say it's overrated. I would say it's pro- it's properly rated. I mean, we've given this class a lot of hype for three years now. <laughs> I mean, I remember talking to Skip Newton uh, back when the, um, the Debbie Happy Hour was still going about the comparison between Bigsby and Gibbs. That was their freshman season. This is like the second game that Gibbs had played because he had who was injured the first game, didn't play. The first time he touched the ball against UCF, he almost took it back for a kick return touchdown. We were waiting to see him play. Um, so I think that it is properly rated. I understand our friend Noah Hills has some questions about Gibbs efficiency in comparison to his teammates at Georgia tech. I don't share those concerns. And I think that he is such a weapon in the passing game. Like it's, it's very similar to what we saw from um, Aaron Jones coming out of uh, UTEP where like you see this running back running 30, 40 yards down the field and catching the ball down the field. That's what we see from Jameer Gibbs. And he is at the perfect place uh to do it in alabama now i don't know if bill o'brien is going to use him that way i wish steve sarkeesian was still there but if he gets to the nfl and he is with andy reed you know if if the if and not just the chiefs but like a a, a andy reed or sean mcveigh or um I know he's not coaching anymore, but Sean Payton, like one of these offense, these these coaches that are not afraid to innovate. I I've I can't, I've said it so many times. Jameer Gibbs can be the next thousand and thousand player. He could have a hundred yards, or excuse me, a hundred catches as a running back at, at the NFL. I really really believe that. Um. So I think that it's properly rated. Big wide receiver guy dropping by to say that Bigsby does not have very good top-end speed. It's not a trait that I feel is necessary at the running back position, just top-end yeah. speed. I, I, I think that Bigsby is a plus David Montgomery. Like I think that he is you know, 125% of okay, David so, Montgomery, which could be a very, very good player. So let, let me do a little either-or with you. Where where you you've okay. got Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, and Tank for sure in your you know day one or day two draft capital right this this coming year I, I still think Bijan has a chance to go day one Gibbs Bigsby you think will go round two or round three at some point do does anybody else out of those guys we listed Blake Corum I forgot to even mention Devin Achain Sean I don't Tucker. think Blake Corum is coming out okay so we'll take Blake Corum off the list then so you got. Devin Achain, Sean Tucker, if Jace McClellan comes out, Kendall Milton, Deuce Vaughn, you know, Zach Charbonnet, Eric Gray, 
any of those guys you think go day two? Are they all day three no. picks? No. Okay. They're all so day, none of all those guys go day two. James Cook, Kenneth Walker, Rashad White, Tyrion Davis Price, Brian Robinson. That's five running backs that went day two this year. How many of them are you putting over the guys we just mentioned are not going day two? I'm putting all of those guys. But when we talk about the class, we're talking about the ceilings of these players, like building your dynasty teams around. You can't build your dynasty team around James Cook. You can't build your dynasty team around uh, Rashad White. At least I don't think that you can. You can't. I think that you can potentially with the three guys we named at the top of this class. Yeah, well, those guys are separated. They're not going. I'm talking about the rest of them, though, because all those guys got day two draft capital. And again, say whatever you want about that stuff. The NFL knows more than we do, right? Like, we're just projecting on what we can see. We don't get any of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So if none of those other guys get day two draft capital, like, what? I, I mean, I don't necessarily believe in any of those guys. Brian Robinson, there we go. If you had the over-under at 44, uh, anybody behind the scenes, there you go. You know, I, I don't know. Devin Achain, maybe if he's able to add a little bit of weight, he's another guy under 200, I think could be cut just because of how fast he is. But like Jason McClellan, I like him. I haven't seen enough from him. If he comes out, he's not getting day two draft cap. Well, you're going to take a bet on him over one of those guys that the NFL has taken that likely shows they're going to build their team around him. Like there's just, again, the top end of the class, I'm with you. But I still think there's a lot of questions on the back end. We- we could see somebody emerge. I mean, we saw Kenneth Walker emerge. We could see it could be Kendall that Kendallton becomes a guy. He's going to be drafted on day two. I'm all for it. He's another guy last year on our RB summit. I got roasted for having in my top twelve. Still, I'd I'd love to ridiculed. See it. Love to see it. Um, we need you guys to tweet uh, any Conan O'Brien, the late night talk show host. Tweet gifts of Conan O'Brien at Alfred JF. Um, those are the Easter eggs that we're sending that he will not find. He he does he will not get it or get the joke. What else do we need to talk about? I think that's it. I don't I don't really have anything else. We hit some of the like hot button issues that kind of got us to this point. It, when we start it, when we started this show. It was you and I yelling at a fever pitch at each other. I don't even know. I don't even know if that's an expression, but we were yelling at each other for for forty five minutes. Look how we got through this one. Just sitting there. Do we want to mention anything about the NCAA thing? I guess that's like the big. I don't think that's. Well, let's have a show meeting here right now because I don't think that that's good content. I don't think that talking about the NCAA is eliminating divisions is that that's content that'll put people to sleep. Who cares? Nobody, people don't I even care. know that divisions exist. They do. They do. There was a lot of discussion about it in other discords. You I just think it's going to be content. interesting because now you Don't can actually get, because now you can have Ohio state play that team up North in the, in the big 10 championship, which could never be possible before you've got Texas and Oklahoma are going over to the sec where now you can have, Georgia, well, Georgia and them. So, like, you, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting because now it's not separated in divisions. You can only get one side, right? One team out of each side. Like, I do think it's a big deal because now you're getting the best teams playing out of each conference every single year, which is just better for us. It's better 
better games. We're not seeing blowouts of Ohio State versus Northwestern. Justin Fields can't even throw the ball, and they still put it on Northwestern. You're going to get the best two teams out of each conference playing in the in the championship game. It's good for us as college football fans. It may not matter for fantasy, but I think on the college football side of things, it's better games. So I think that's that's the the main thing for me. We see this is why we're accused of this being college football debate, not Debbie debate, because yeah. of stuff yeah. like that. We were Debbie taught for 47 minutes straight. There's 40 seconds of We were. How do you think this episode will do? They all do relatively poorly, so this one will just probably probably less Austin's not here, so we'll get like four downloads. Probably your mom. I know my mom will download it, and that's probably it. Then us. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about the the behind-the-scenes thing that like for a year I've been trying to get Austin's mom on the show, and I've gone like behind Austin's back? I think we just got to go to Colin. We just got to get Colin to pull some strings here for us. I have reached out. I got a response to Austin's mom thought that I was not like, you didn't think I was serious and I was dead serious. And Austin is not here. Austin has been resisting this forever. Austin's mom is sharp. That's where his love of sports comes from is from his mom. And I would like to talk to her to, to ask questions about Austin. Maybe we should put it on the poll. What do you think the people would say? Should I Austin think they want her on here. I think they want her on. You know what? Give us a five-star rate and review and let us know if you think Austin's mom should come on the show. He's going to be pissed at me for... for yeah. out to the. I mean, here, look, I'll, I'll I'll take some of the heat from you. By the way, everybody, not only give a five-star rate for Austin's mom, it is his birthday, so jump on Twitter, wish him a happy birthday today, and, and leave a five-star review as well, wishing him a happy birthday. And tell him to get his mom on the damn show. There we go. To let her come on the show. Check out the website. Of course, there's always new content. We are 24, 20, 52 weeks a year, 24-7, whatever. We're, we're here all the time for your content, all right? That's going to be our show for tonight. For Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Side of the field, intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42-20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Enzo caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! (laughs) 93 yards for the freshman!
made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.